Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. My name's Erin and I'm a hypnobirthing and antenatal instructor, birth activist and all-round birth geek. In this podcast, I chat to experts in the field of pregnancy and birth, debunking myths around birth, diving into the research around maternity care and exploring what is it that means you're more likely to have a positive birthing experience. If you enjoy this podcast, do feel free to buy me a coffee and fund my caffeine habit. Link to my buy me a coffee page is in the podcast info. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Birth Podcast. I am super excited to have the lovely midwife and hypnobirthing instructor Kate on today um, with a little person in the background. Um, and um, I'm, I'm, one of the reasons I'm so excited is because Katie's one of my previous clients, but also she is an absolute star, fantastic midwife, really knowledgeable. And she's come on today to talk about intrahepatic cholestasis pregnancies or ICP for short. So um, Katie, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit before we launch into the topic? Yeah, sure. Hello everyone, nice to be here. Uh, my name is Katie, I'm a mother of one and midwife and recently uh, trained in hypnobirthing um, as a hypnobirthing instructor. Uh, I don't practice clinically at the moment, but I am due to return, otherwise I will lose my pin. <laughs> so for revalidation, um, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I have a lot of um, different interests, but um, I'm really, um, I think during my pregnancy, um, I dug really deep and found a true calling or realization of physiology and protecting physiology. I think I didn't realize as much um, working in the profession as I did then becoming someone who was pregnant in the system and, and being like patient facing I guess is the right way to explain it and realizing the the care that you get or the care that I got and how much that um impacted me both as a professional and as a as a person as a mother um so yeah I'm interested in protecting physiology and raising awareness of it um and yeah that's me really <laughs> well, one of the reasons that I wanted to record this is because you did a fantastic post on ICP and I think it's something that I think a lot of pregnant people haven't heard of before until get it if they get it and we were saying before we started recording that there's not very much information about ICP out there at all it's either really really in-depth and clinical um or um it's probably too in-depth for the lay person. So I think this is going to be a nice opportunity for us to kind of share some information um, in, a, in a kind of quick and digestible format. So hopefully people will find this really, really helpful and useful. Do you want to start off by talking about what ICP is? Because I think a lot of people won't know what it is. Yeah, sure. So um, I think a lot of people know it as obstetric cholestasis. That was kind of the name that was um, it was led with for, for a while. Um, but uh, it's now kind of had a rebrand to be intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy, which um, is pretty much means the same thing. I think um, intra means inside or within and then hepatic is to do with the liver. 
Um, and then Coley is all to do with the kind of, um, I don't know if you've watched like episodes of Grey's Anatomy or other programs where they're like, oh, I've got a lap Coley or it's all about this Coley and that Coley <laughs> procedures, but it's just to do with the bile or the gallbladder, it's just the area and it refers to lots of different conditions within that area. And then stasis obviously refers to um, a state of equilibrium and balance. Um, and often in the context of lack of movement, a change. Um, so in the medical context, it's about um, the flow of movement in bodily fluids, such as blood or bile, and it's, if it's stopped or impacted or, or uh, slowed. So yeah, just connect that all together. It's all to do with um, liver function, but more so bile and bile acids. Um, and bile is a whole, <laughs> whole other podcast in itself. But um, yeah, that is where it kind of impacts um, and it happens in pregnancy. It's not, um, and so it's specific to pregnancy. You can't get intrahepatic cholestasis of pregnancy. And it, that's why they added on, I think, the pregnancy part and, and took off the obstetric. Um, so it's a condition that usually uh, presents in the third trimester, but people can have it from really early on, from like seven weeks, um, be itching. Um, and the condition is, yeah, um, it affects the normal flow of bile um, from the liver to the intestine. And the bile is a, is a substance that's produced by the liver um, to help digest the fats and remove waste from the body. So it's really, really important, um, but it can then ricochet into other things. Uh, so some um, women and uh, pregnant people will end up having obstetric cholestasis or ICP and then develop um, gestational diabetes or um, preeclampsia because it can just impact the whole of the body and not just that zoned in area, even though that's kind of what started it, if that makes sense. Um, it can have other complications um, to it. So does, um, does so the, I guess one of the, the main symptoms of ICP is being itchy. You mentioned being itchy. Um, and it sounds like kind of like not a really big deal, but it can be quite, quite, you know, tra uh, traumatic for somebody with ICP, can't it? Yeah, yeah. So um, they call it um, pruritus, which is a weird word, isn't it? But it basically it just means itchy. And I think during my training, we were taught about the, um, how do you call it, the palms of the, palms of the hands, the soles of the feet? I always get it around the wrong way. <laughs> But yeah, that's um, what we, we, a lot of the time we were told, you know, if it's itching localised there and especially during the night time. And then, so women kind of, um, and pregnant people that started itching um, either earlier in pregnancy or not in those areas wouldn't come forward and say that it was um, impacting them or maybe they were just... Uh, discuss it with a midwife and if that midwife hadn't had a lot of training on it because let's be real we, we genuinely like I can't remember it being talked about much more than just in a couple of biology anatomy and physiology lectures um, I don't think we were really taught about it a lot and if you'd have been trained somewhere in a hospital where you hadn't seen it then generally that's the advice you'd probably follow which is written in the notes and the kind of triage handouts is the um the hands and the feet but it can be anywhere in the body um and the the key thing is that the the impact of the itching um doesn't correlate directly with the level of the bile acids so you could be itching not very much and it not i mean it's still not nice to itch it's still um really uncomfortable you know it's hard to sleep it's hard to get comfortable it's hard to um stop focusing on it, it can be really really um upsetting to experience 
um, but the the level of itching doesn't correlate with the the level of the bile acid. So you might have a really mild itch, um, but actually your bile acid level is something that needs to be really closely monitored because um, this could be impacting your your body and and your baby. Yeah, and I think I've heard from from people that do have ICP and do have quite severe itching that it can really impact not just you know, other areas of the body and, and have impact on other complications, but can also really impact people's mental health as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like with any kind of um, condition that you can, it's a medical condition, you know, as long as you're diagnosed with one of those in pregnancy, it's going to impact you. It, pregnancy impacts us regardless of if you have that. So if you had that added on um, kind of illness you know it's you're, you're not well um you can get really you can feel really really unwell with it as well you can feel really tired you can have a loss of appetite um you can have um pain in your upper quadrant area um on the right side of the body um and this is because the pain um even though it's presented um it's kind of unknown you know the liver doesn't have nerve endings the pain is like really close to the liver um so it's kind of interesting how the body does that um but yeah it's um it's a it's a really strange one because um there's no known cause for it either like the we know research in pregnancy as you do Erin is uh hit and miss and missing in action for a lot of it um but the fact that we don't even know like what's caused it or that there's a lot of different things that um can be a combination of factors the genetics environment and hormones and a lot of the time people who have had it once like so in their first pregnancy um they're more than likely going to develop it in subsequent pregnancies and i think that's similar for um hypremesis isn't it um that if you're going to have it hypremesis gravidarum if you're hg uh which is not morning sickness not extreme morning sickness i hate the way that that's referred to as well it's kind of a similar vein of um complication during pregnancy um you would develop that in in subsequent pregnancies too so i think as a um, someone who would have it in their first pregnancy and experiencing that, knowing then you might want to have more children, but knowing that you're more than likely gonna get this again, must be really, really hard to come to, to terms with and must involve a lot of preparation and and yeah, well-considered thoughts to be able to, to manage it. Although obviously the amount and the level that you experience is gonna be different in each pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. So is there any kind of, factors or indicators which may predict somebody is more likely to get ICP or is it just kind of a lottery? It's a lottery I know that it's um, can run in genetics so I think if someone's mother has had it you are more likely to um, as in your mother <laughs> a random mother as in if your mother's had it if it's um, running that side of the family so I think a lot of people might grow up knowing that their mum had had it if they'd seen subsequent siblings um, be born and you know the mum's been pregnant then they've witnessed it um but the research just indicates that they just don't know um and the diagnosis can vary as well it's another spanner in the works <laughs> the diagnosis can vary so there's no standardized guidance between how um this condition is even diagnosed so before you even talk about factors you know the most um the most vital test uh, to diagnose it is the management and the management of it. So the kind of diagnosis is um, a blood test and it's a non-fasted blood test um, for the bile acids. Um, that's the most important thing. I think before we used to talk a lot about liver function um, enzymes and liver function tests, LFTs, as um, doctors call it, or you know, shorthand. And whilst it is obviously talking about the liver and the liver needs to be really watched really closely, 
it's more about the, the bioelastic on the bioelastic level. Um, so that it's a non-fasting test, so you can eat um, as normal um, before you have the test, not like um, the glucose tolerance test where they make you um, fast. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, if anything, it's more important to to eat as well and for it to be taken close to that, because I think that can impact um, the kind of level as well and give you almost like a, not a false reading, but um, a difference in the reading. Um, but yeah, then you're, you'll be offered... Um, more tests and kind of be closely marked you're more than likely be put under obstetric care rather than just um midwifery led care which is why a lot of midwives don't know much So is, there, is, there, is there any kind of linked complications? You mentioned um, potential um, gestational diabetes. Yes. Uh, kind of what, when, when we're testing for the, the bile um, levels, bile acid levels, yeah. what that we're looking to prevent or, or flag um, during pregnancy? Um, so you want the... Um, the level to be um, of bile acids to um, uh, remain under 100. And um, in terms of recommendations, they, there's research to say that it kind of peaks at like a 34, 35 week time, the bile acid levels, it can be a really good indicator of what might happen evolving in the pregnancy and within the, within the condition that they're tracking for you. Um, and a lot of hospitals have a blanket will offer you an induction at 37 weeks. It's quite similar to gestational diabetes in that sense that, oh yeah, cool, we'll, or, you know, we'll offer or it will be recommended. And I think a lot of the Googling that people will do when they've either heard about this condition or they're waiting for those um, bile acid tests and birth tests to come back, um, then uh, they'll see that it's, oh, okay, I'm having an induction. I'm having an induction at 37 weeks. However, this has been um, kind of, this ruled or um, the research has come out by um, Ovedia in um, 2019, so it's semi-recently, it's recently for um, for research terms, but it's not actually that recently um, for it to have been still taking a while for some trust to adopt this, um, but women um, and birthing people should be able to wait until more like the 39 week um, for an induction. Um, but the RCOG guideline supports uh, 40 weeks if the bile acid tests remain under um, 40.
so is giving birth the only way to kind of resolve ICP? Uh, yes. So in in short, um, there are ways to kind of manage it and ways to make the a lot of focus is put on the itching. And because obviously that's not a nice thing to, to feel and to go through. And so a lot of emphasis is put on drugs to either kind of stop the itching or um, make the, it, the skin, you know, not um, not uh, be as affected by it because um, you can really have um, a lot of rashes from all of the itching and a lot of evidence of broken skin. So obviously that's really uncomfortable. Um, and so there's a lot of focus on kind of creams and topical stuff to try and keep that at bay or comfortable but ultimately it's a condition that's going on during pregnancy similarly to preeclampsia where like if your blood pressure is going to be raised and the protein in your urine and things then the only thing that's going to stop that is from the baby to come out and the placenta to come out long short of it so it's it's a similar thing with um icp where because it is a condition that affects um you during pregnancy then the pregnancy ending is what's going to uh, stop it from from happening in the body yeah, and I guess that's probably one factor for deciding whether to go ahead of an induction or not, because I know we talk a lot about induction and un unnecessary inductions, but I think if it if you are really, really suffering with a medical condition, it's affecting your mental health, it's affecting your sleep, you know, some people with severe ICP can get suicidal, then I think that is a genuine reason to consider birthing baby earlier and going ahead with an induction. I think it's, you know, I think we can sometimes come across as quite anti-induction, um, but I think there are kind of medical um, circumstances where maybe birthing baby earlier is justified. And I guess if ICP is really affecting you that much, then I think that is a justified reason to go ahead with an induction. Yes, I, I agree. I think um, close monitoring is really important. And that's why I think it's frustrating that there is no standardized guidelines, because you could be at one trust and actually your bilateral levels could be lower and in, I don't know what they would refer to as the safe zone. And therefore, an induction at 37 weeks wouldn't be um, indicated or necessary, even though obviously that's something that you can come to an informed decision about. And if that's something you would like to proceed with, I think the option should be there because it's not just about the level that the computer says the blood test is at. It's actually about your quality of life, like you say, and how you are feeling um, and if that's something that you want to go through. The only thing I would flag, is, as we know with inductions, is that an induction at 37 weeks might not be successful. And I don't know, stats on that, I would love to know stats on inductions at 37 weeks because a lot of the people that I have looked after um, during my career, I've never really seen that many inductions work at 37 weeks apart from if they have uh, shrooms, if their waters have gone prematurely um, earlier on in pregnancy or at 37 weeks, or if they've gone into some form of spontaneous labor at 37 weeks, or if um, they have preeclampsia, there's something to do with preeclampsia where they labor really quickly and their body responds to it. I think because the body's kind of on board already, the body's almost like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Let's get this baby out. Um, so with um, ICP, I see more that the induction can take a couple of days and then can end up with um, you know, epidurals and syntocinol because of that cascade of intervention of, um, of induction it's not usual that you would have an induction where you would just have like a a propest or the initial kind of pushes into um 
labor it's more likely that you would go through the whole rigmarole of of the induction process and then come out of the other side perhaps with a forceps delivery perhaps with um an emergency cesarean section and it's kind of weighing up that that option and that choices which is not an easy decision to make in pregnancy but it should be indicated by your the monitoring that you're being offered and also um yeah, just an all well-rounded decision of, of the monitoring that you're being offered, but also what you would like. And if you are aware that that is the route that's going to happen, or could happen, I suppose. Yeah, and I think when we're talking about, you know, getting baby out, I think it's important to understand that induction isn't the only option either, um, because the planned cesarean is also an option. And I think there is an argument to say for some people that if they, you know, if they're 37 weeks, they really feel like that getting baby out sooner is, is necessary. Um, then a plan C-section may also be a, a, a really feasible option. Um, because like you say, a lot of inductions at 30, 37 weeks or, you know, kind of quite early on in pregnancy, they don't work because the body's not ready. Um, and then we we know you end up in that cascade of medical intervention and then potentially end up with that unplanned C-section. So I know some people do choose to, instead to go ahead with a planned C-section instead. Um, I just want to make that clear that there are there are, you know, more than one way to get baby out if if we need to get baby out sooner. Yeah, this is it. I mean, um, it's a it's an individual um, decision, and it's um it's your decision to make if you are um, pregnant and you have been diagnosed with the condition. I think close monitoring of it is really important, um, and that you are um, supported both um, clinically and holistically. I think that's something that really often gets missed out too, and I think that's why the um, the ICP support charities their work is fantastic and amazing, um, and such a great resource. And it's a shame that. Um, it's not put into practice so much in different places that, you know, it's a postcode lottery in terms of your trust as to what guidance they've decided to run with and what knowledge they have. I think it's something like 1% of um, the population in Europe will develop this condition, whereas in somewhere like um, Chile, it's more like 15%. So I'm sure that their guidance and their ability to um, manage it I mean, I don't know what they do in Chile and what the management is there, but obviously that's going to be a very diff. That's going to give different results, isn't it, um, than it, than in the UK? So you mentioned the charity. What's the ICP charity called? Where can people find details for the charity? So they're called um, ICP Support, I believe, and they are on Instagram. They have an amazing website which is full of resources and even as um, clinicians it's a fantastic resource to use um, not just for people who've been diagnosed with the condition but I know a lot of the time people can um, yeah google is a funny one isn't it <laughs> dr google as people referred to it I think people can often just um, google the condition and then straight away there's a big flag up of um, research that was done a long time ago about stillbirth mm -hmm. and obviously when you are pregnant that is the last thing you want um, and you don't need to be reminded of it and that being flagged up as soon as you've got the condition or even just, you know, you're waiting on the blood in triage and you're sat there and you're thinking, oh, what's this ICP they're talking about? Uh, if they haven't really explained it well to you, um, then perhaps you are um, doing all of the research and resources for yourself. Um, and that's something that people can um, immediately be faced with, which I don't think is... Um, 
nice or sensible or necessary because not everyone who has ICP will end up with a stillbirth. So if people want to um, follow you and uh, your wonderful content, where can they find you? So they can find me, I actually have a Facebook now. Yay! <laughs> which is Midwife Patch. I'm on TikTok, which is a funny world, isn't it? Um, so I'm all the same. I'm Midwife Patch everywhere. And then I mostly live on Instagram. Um, so there, that's where they can find me. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for today, Katie. I really think it's been uh, hopefully helpful for, for anybody who suspects they might have ICP. I'll make sure I put all of the resources and the charity annual details in the in the show notes. And uh, yeah, thank you for your time. You're welcome. The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.